Hello, hello, hello. My name is Robert. I am the recovery guy, and you have entered into the fix. Hello, hello. My name is Robert. I am the Recovery Guy, and it is a beautiful day here in the Salt Lake Valley, and I hope you are doing well. I know the uh, the Northeast got hammered this last week um, with a snowstorm, and I hope you are burying or unburying yourself um, from those drifts and all that heavy snow, and I hope you're doing well, and I hope you are safe. You know, I've been at this for so long. Today is day 13,064. And you know, the most exciting thing about my personal recovery is that every day is another opportunity to see how well I can become, how recovered I can become. What is the depth of my 10 step? How can I get closer to God and seek uh, my higher powers, power in my approach to living, and then, of course, how can I share my message of recovery? Recently, uh, as many of you know, uh, I've started to jump into TikTok and see what that was about as an arm of my social media. So now I have YouTube and Instagram and Facebook and uh, TikTok, and, of course, my website with my blogs and my podcasts. And everyone has been so gracious to me, and I've entered into a few conversations which have been very rewarding, I hope, from both sides of the spectrum. So if you'd like to follow me on TikTok, please do so. It's at Recovery Guy, pretty simple, uh, on TikTok. And uh, let me know what your thoughts or comments are. I try to post things onto Instagram as part of my TikTok exposure. But let me know what you think, and I'm starting to go uh, with TikTok Live and and get my message of recovery and hope out there. I've come across so many individuals who are newly sober in two and three and four years and really trying to find their way and really making a difference. And I'm very excited about this new um, pipeline that, that I'm starting to gain and people I'm starting to engage with, with all addictions, all backgrounds, from mental health to substance abuse to behavioral challenges and concerns. Of course, when I came into the program, as so many of my listeners know and my friends know, I came in with just a bag full of junk and of mess and of disarray that my life had become. My primary was alcohol. Everything centered around my alcoholism. Of course, drug addiction. Uh, I developed uh, uh, gambling addiction when I moved to Las Vegas back in 1980. Pornography and bulimia and and a food uh, eating disorder would follow as a result of that. So what I found for me is I'm going to all these other 12-step programs, and I think they're fabulous. Some of my coaching clients are actually in other behavioral challenges and concerns, not just substance abuse. They don't even drink or use, and, and they have these other challenges. Uh, and that leads me to understand that addiction is not about a substance. We're just trying to find a way to cope with the life that we don't understand. 
Once again, we're not bad people trying to get better, even though we did many bad things. I'm not excusing myself or anyone, but we are sick people trying to get well. And whether it's pornography or gambling or compulsive overeating or bulimia or anorexia or alcohol or drugs or what have you, anger, it's an escape mechanism. It's where we retreat when we don't know how to cope with life on life's terms. One of the most fabulous things that I want to talk to you about today, and today's podcast is called Promises, Promises. I'll tell you, when I came into the program of Alcoholics Anonymous through the back door of Gamblers Anonymous, I came into AA. My first initiation was in treatment back in February, uh, February 9th of 1986. And as I would begin to get involved in Alcoholics Anonymous at many meetings, and, and maybe the 12-step meeting you're involved with or your local church has some promises, right? I needed promises because if on one hand you were telling me how much work I needed to do, well, if you're like me, you want to pay off, right? Everything in life for me at the time, because I was so selfish and self-centered, there had to be a payoff. Okay, if I was going to do that, what I was going to get, it was like a tit for tat thing. And the program of recovery is no different, right? I, I eventually need to do the things for myself, right? I can go into treatment or go into recovery or go to AA or another 12-step group based on what I call coercion, right? The, the significant other says, if you show up drunk again or show up two days later, I'm going to change the locks. The judge says, if you don't complete this program or stay sober or get that court card signed, you're going to get 30, 60, 90 days a year, what have you, a nickel in some cases. Uh, the employer says, if you show up drunk or high again or late one more time or miss a shift, I'm going to fire you. And it goes on and on and on, right? Family members say, you have to change or we're going to just drop you from the whole family. You, you won't, you know, you won't get invited to any more reindeer games as it were. So when I came in, even though I knew that if something didn't change, I was going to die once I realized what were you wanting me to do, these 12 steps of recovery, right, were so hard, especially step one, right? Bill Wilson, the co-founder of AA, says in the 12 and 12 that who likes to admit defeat? Practically no one. We have to admit defeat to our innermost self that we were alcoholic or whatever our behavior or addiction is. This is the first step in recovery. And we have to do it, as he would say, as only the dying can. So if you don't feel that your life as you understand it will cease to exist or the life that you want it will become out of reach, I don't know if you're ready to take certain steps. I hope that you are because Bill talks about needless suffering and we needlessly suffered while we were out there ripping and running. So I loved all the readings in AA. Matter of fact, I'm going to go uh, hang out with my friend Chaz uh, this Thursday, and we're going to go have some coffee, and then we're going to go to a noon meeting up in uh, Bountiful at the uh, Davis County Alano Club. And I guarantee you, they're going to read a portion of chapter six into action. And on page 83 and 84, there's come to know what are called the promises, right? I needed a promise. All of my promises when I was out there ripping and running, they weren't real promises. They were wishes. They were hopes. They were a way for me to get over on you long enough so I could get what I want to make my feel good feel good. But I, I, I may have had a desire or an intention, 
But the reality was, if it was a positive promise, the likelihood is it wasn't going to happen. It wasn't going to ring true because I was incapable of fulfilling my promise. I couldn't even show up when or where I was supposed to show up. So I come in and you say, okay, do this, do that, do these steps, you know, honesty, open-mindedness and willingness, work the steps, go to meetings, get a sponsor, work with others, read the big book, all of these things. I wanted to know because my addictive mindset, right? And, and even AA knew this long ago when Bill founded this program with Dr. Bob back in the early 30s and, and the first 100 who had recovered, by the way, from a seemingly hopeless state of mind and body. That's the payoff. That That's what we strive for, right? To recover. Because if I if there was no recovery for me, if there was no promise of recovery, if there was no promise of wellness, right? Rarely have we seen a person fail who has thoroughly followed our path. That's a promise. So I want to adhere to that. And here's what a promise is. And this is one of the reasons that I could not make a promise when I was out there ripping and running. A promise as a noun is a declaration that something will or will not be done. I promise you, as long as I was drinking or using, I wasn't going to show up when I was supposed to, where I was supposed to, in the condition that you expected me to be in. That was an unspoken promise, but you just knew, right? So now when I come into recovery, they say that if I precisely follow this plan, right, that I will recover. In the doctor's opinion, it says the very same person who seemed doomed now finds himself easily able to control his desire for alcohol. The only requirement necessary is to follow a few simple rules. So if I follow the few simple rules, I will gain back control, right? It says I will, I can get well providing, right? Job or no job, wife or no wife, providing I have good motives and I follow this plan of recovery. It says that I will regain control. I will, I will react sanely and normally. These are all promises, something that I can expect that will happen. It's an express assurance on which expectation is to be paced. So I can expect this to occur. You know, we talk about step two a lot. Uh, it's the one, obviously, after step one and right before step three. And, and it was my introduction, understanding how insane I was, understanding my powerlessness and my unmanageability in step one. And then I came to believe that a power greater than myself could restore me to sanity in step two. That was a promise. That was an expectation that if I believed this and I did this and I worked through the steps, my expectation, my promise was that I can expect these things to come true. And then when it's used as a verb, it's to engage or undertake by promise, usually used with an infinitive or a clause as an object. So if I want to gain this, the promise is if I do this, that, and the other, it's one of the reasons they have a chapter called uh, the family afterward, because there is a family, there can be restoration that occurs. Excuse me while I take a drink there. So here we go with the promises. And these can be found, if you don't have a big book of Alcoholics Anonymous, get one. If you can't afford one, message me and let me know. And I will send you one free of charge. It will be my pleasure. The promises are found on pages 83 and 84 of the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. And the cool thing is, no matter what edition you have, the I, I have a second edition, a third and a fourth edition. Um, no matter what edition you have, the first 164 pages are numbered exactly 
as they were originally. So page 83 or 84, and this is really the greatest gift of my recovery are the promises. If these promises were not coming true or were not given to me and I did not see them uh, develop in the life of other people, I'd have quit a long time ago. Trust me when I tell you, I would have said this isn't worth it. But what I have found is that the more I go, the more the more promises come through and the deeper the promises that have already been given to me extend. See, I needed to know, and I want to reiterate this, and for you who are net, relatively new to the program, I needed to know that the work I was expected to do for my recovery would revolutionize my life, not just change my life, not just make my life a little bit better, but revolutionize my life. If you told me I was needed to make a 180 degree turn, I expected my life on the other side of that 180 degree to be completely different than how I knew it as a person in, in active addiction. Now, these are the promises. I'm going to lay these out for you. And it's not by accident that as I understand these promises, there are 12 promises. There are 12 steps. There are 12 traditions. There are 12 promises. And you can find them in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. And I'll post these uh, in the comments section of my podcast so you can print those off if you don't have them already. Here we go. If we are painstaking about this phase of our development, we will be amazed before we are halfway through. Man, I'll tell you, I don't know what being through is because in almost 36 years of personal recovery, April 25th of this year will be 36 years of continual recovery for me. I've already been in the program over 36 years, but I did relapse at 71 days. And by the grace of God, I was able to come back. And then the fellowship and the recovery of the program kept me back since that time. So I, I don't even know what halfway is. What I know is that I am amazed. If we are painstaking, that means I'm willing to work through the pain to get to the gain, right? That adage of when the, when the going gets tough, the tough get going. This is especially true in recovery. We're going to know a new freedom and a new happiness. Man, I cannot tell you how that has occurred in my life. I have a freedom to go anywhere, to do anything. How I view things, there, there's a sense of joy and a deepness of happiness, not just happiness that fades in the moment, but happiness because there is substance going on. It says here, we will not regret the past, nor wish to shut the door on it. Man, I'll tell you, you know, I used to regret my past because I woke up with remorse on a regular basis. I didn't like my life. You didn't like my life. There was nothing about my life that other than maybe a moment in a vacuum that I liked. I woke up with remorse. One of the reasons I became addicted to methamphetamine along my alcoholic journey was because I could stay up for three or four or five days at a time tweaking, and I would not have to wake up with remorse because I wouldn't go to sleep. So I could cut my remorse down from six or seven nights a week to two or three nights a week. Made perfect sense at the time, right? That's one of the reasons I needed to be restored to sanity, because that kind of thing made sense to me. And I don't wish to shut the door on it. I learn from my past when I go through my steps in, in steps one, in step four, step five, six, seven, eight, nine, I have to recall my steps, understanding 
my my past is not a two by four designed to beat me up as it used to be. My past is a method of healing. Remember, we are only as sick as our secrets. We will comprehend the word serenity and we will know peace. You know, when I was out there ripping and running, I could not even spell serenity, let alone experience in my life. Now I fully understand what it means, you know, to know peace, not just to say we have, a, but to know, to understand, to dwell, to live in, to know peace from the inside out. This is a promise. And if this is something that you want in your life, and again, you're willing to go to any length to get it, then you are ready to take certain steps. Number five, promise number five, no matter how far down the scale we have gone, we will see how our experience can benefit others. You know, I'll tell you, some of the stories that I've heard in my journey along the way tore my heart out. I heard some stories of people, I think I lost a lot. I heard some stories from individuals that got me feeling so grateful in spite of my condition, in spite of the people I disappointed. You know what? I've never served time in prison. I've never killed anyone in a vehicular manslaughter. I've done some pretty bad things, but there's some people out there who are paying the price for things, but my experience can benefit others. That's why we share our experience, strength, and hope with each other that we might solve our common problem. And, and the Latin for that word common is human. We have a human condition. We have a human problem. Don't ever think for a moment that your past, when properly displayed, not as a laughing matter, not as a two by four, but as this is what occurred to me. It helps others relate to us. When I go into a meeting and I share my experience as a, as a speaker, um, I speak a, a lot around the country. I speak at least every month. And, and, I, and I want people to understand that I understand. So there's a pertin, certain part of my story that helps others relate to me so they'll know that I know where they're sitting, where they're coming from. Because if you've got 10 days, 100 days, 1,000 days, I've got 13,064 days. Guess what I had at one time? I had 10 days. I had 100 days. I had 1,000 days. And I want you to know that I remember what it was like back then. Number six, that feeling of uselessness and self-pity will disappear. Oh, my God. You know, I used to feel about as useful as a screen door in a submarine. I had no usefulness about me because everything I touched was destroyed. My life was going down that path. And so pity, I used to feel so sorry for me in my condition. Now, I live in a position of gratitude every single day. I am not useless. I am useful because I recovered from a seemingly hopeless state of mind and body. You feel me? Make sure you understand this promise. Oh, and before I go any further, these promises, even though the steps are designed to do in order and the traditions are in order also, not as important as the steps, but these can happen at different times, depending upon where you're at, how you come in, to what degree you immerse yourself in the program, how sick we are comparatively to maybe some others, right? 
just understand that these will happen. Have an expectation that these will happen. Don't be afraid if if two hasn't happened, five won't happen. Sometimes seven will happen and you're waiting for number three. Keep that in mind as you go this journey, as you trudge this road to happy destiny. So that feeling of uselessness and self-pity will disappear. Number seven, we will lose interest in selfish things. Check it out and gain interest in our fellows. I care so much for you. You know, selfishness and self-centeredness, as it says in the program of AA and many other 12-step programs, and even the monotheistic religions of the world and the Buddhist network will tell you the same thing. Selfishness and self-centeredness was the root or the cause of all of my problems. I always thought everything was about me, that the world revolved around me. And it wasn't true. I got my feelings hurt all the time. And I used to medicate against that. Why am I not this? Why am I not that? Why are you looking at me that way? Why are you saying that way? Why am I a failure? Why? Pour me, pour me, pour me another drink, as my friend Trish would say. So I lose interest in those selfish things. I learned that it's about we, not about me. If you look at the 12 steps of recovery, there's not an I in there because it's we, not me. It's us, right? And we will gain interest in our fellows. Step 12 requires me. It says, having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to, to alcoholics and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Again, monotheistic religions of the world and every 12-step program will tell you Go, share your message of hope, of redemption, of, of, of promises, of recovery, of wellness. That's what we do. Because it says in the big book, if newcomers could see no joy in our existence, they wouldn't want it. So I need to gain interest in you because the minute you know that I care, the minute you're more apt to listen to me. Again, people don't care what you know until they know that you care. So I need to gain an interest in you. Remember, the people who complain about not receiving are people who don't give. Receiving is a byproduct of giving, not the other way around. I need to give first and then I receive. If I'm waiting to receive, I will sit back, rest on my laurels, and I likely will not give. If I do give, it's going to be conditionally. And that's not gaining interest in you. That's gaining interest in me. Number eight, self-seeking will slip away. You know, very much piggybacks onto number seven. But self-seeking will, will slip away. Little by little, and I like how they said slip away. It doesn't happen overnight. We get sober overnight but we gain sobriety and recovery over time. And self-seeking, I still slip back into it. What about me? What, what's in it for me? What's, you know, I, I get that way, but little by little, it continues to slip. That is why we continue to take our personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admit it. We need to continue to work on these steps, work on our recovery, work on our program so things continue to slip away. My, my dear sponsor, Slow Will, will tell me, if we don't clear away the wreckage of our present, it will become the wreckage of our past. So as I watch self-seeking creep back in my life, as I, as I allow selfishness and self-centeredness, I need it to slip away. I need it 
to be recognized, to be exposed, to be worked on, to go help someone else. Again, it's not about me. It's about we. It's not about I. It's about you. Number nine, our whole attitude and outlook upon life will change. Boom. And let me tell you something. That is so true. My whole attitude and outlook on life will change. I view life completely differently than I ever did before. It says that once some many were just as hopeless as Bill, but many have recovered, right? We, again, hopeless state of mind and body. That was my attitude. That was my outlook upon life. It was like, what's the use? Nothing's going to change. I was like Eeyore, right? Oh me, oh my, what am I going to do? Again, that innate and that self-seeking and self-pity will slip away. I gain interest in others, but my whole attitude, not a little bit of my attitude, my whole attitude, that's why they told me, they said, Robert, we've got good news and bad news. I said, what could that be? What, you know, let me have the good news first. And they said, you need to only change one thing. And I said, my God, what could be the bad news? And they said, that one thing is everything, right? So I needed to change. I needed to evolve my whole attitude. That's why I need to look at everything about me, everything that needs to be changed. Because if I expect my whole attitude to change, then I need to put everything about me, the whole me up for consideration that needs to be changed. And I need to change from the inside out. Not because I think so, because remember, I'm selfish and self-centered. I'm going to want to hang on to things that I shouldn't want to hang on to. And that's where good sponsorship, good accountability come in. So whatever you're doing, if you're not accountable to someone in person, not just social media, but in person, the likelihood is you're going to negotiate your change and you will never have a an exchange of your attitude. Number 10, fear of people and of economic insecurity will leave us. That says enough for itself. I don't worry about what you can do to harm me. I'm not worried because I have control. I make decisions. I've gained boundaries. I've established boundaries for you and for me. And economic insecurity doesn't mean I have a lot of money. It just means I manage things better than I used to. And I don't worry about the world. Things are going to happen as things are going to happen. And all I can do is the best I possibly can do for me on a daily basis and not worry about the things that I can't control. As I've said before, I'll say it again, control the controllables and the uncontrollable things. It, you know, in the big book, it says when we stopped living in the problem and started living in the solution, the problems went away pretty much of themselves. So step 11, we will intuitively know how to handle situations which used to baffle us. You know why? Because we have a new way of thinking that demands rigorous honesty. We will intuitively know from the inside out. We know what to do. And since we're not drug or behaviorally sidetracked, we will know what to do and when to do it. Handle situations which used to baffle us. I used to be so confused. What do I do here? Because I was so situational. Now my life is very played out. Again, insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results. Since that is true, sanity then is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting the same result. I'm no longer baffled. I'm no longer confused. When I am, I go seek counsel. 
I go to Laura. I go to my sponsor, Will. I say, hey, this is baffling me. This is confusing me. What should I do here? How do I handle this? So even though I may not know how to address it directly, I know how to address it indirectly so it does not baffle me. Number 12, we will suddenly realize that God is doing for us what we could not do for ourselves. Folks, that's step 11. We sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood God, praying only for the knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. What we could not do for ourselves, we could not gain power. We had to give up power in step one. We were powerless over alcohol, over our addiction, and our life had become unmanageable. I was powerless. I had to admit powerlessness, again, as only the dying can. If I was drowning in the ocean and you threw me a life preserver and I was convinced that I was going to die, I would grab onto that life preserver. Later on in life, I know where that life preserver is. It lives in the realm of my higher power, the spiritual realm. And we will suddenly, as if a light goes on, all of a sudden, we are rocketed into a fourth dimension, which is the spiritual realm. Read your recovery material. That's exactly what it says. And sometimes I'll paraphrase, but you get the idea. We will suddenly realize that God is doing for us what we could not do for ourselves. What is that? You know what that is? That's allowing me to care more about you than about me because I know in caring about you, it's demonstrating care toward me. I wake up every day knowing that I need to become the best version of me, not for me, but for you, but for others, because you have an expectation. I've been at this over 36 years. I would expect you to expect me to be recovered. I would expect you to expect me to have a message of hope, to have a message of encouragement, to have a message of joy that, again, if newcomers could see no joy in our existence, they wouldn't want it. So when you see me on Instagram or The Real Recovery Guy on, on YouTube or see me on TikTok, I want you to see me as a person who's enjoying life on life's terms, reaching for the greatest joy I can have, celebrating family, celebrating relationships, celebrating my recovery, celebrating others, celebrating things that I learn along the way. We will suddenly realize that God is doing for us what we could not do for ourselves. And that is to be happy, joyous, and free. We are not a glum lot. We are sure, says in the big book, we are sure that God wants us to be happy, joyous, and free. And he's doing that for us because I could not do that for myself. At the end, it says, are these extravagant promises? We think not. They're being fulfilled among us, sometimes quickly, sometimes slowly. They will always, always, did I say always? <laughs> I love that word. It's an absolute word. It means it won't not happen. They will always materialize. Here's the caveat. If we work for them, this is not osmosis, folks. I can't sit on the couch eating bonbons, waiting for this, waiting for this happy, joyous feeling this suddenly to appear on me. I need to work for them. Faith without works is dead. I need to work every day. And it's why I tell you how many days I have. Not so I can pump me up, but I want you to know that I care about the day. What we really have is a daily reprieve contingent on the maintenance of our spiritual condition. I want to be spiritually fit because I want these promises to continue to come through in my life and continue to deepen. Folks, I hope this has helped you. I know it's helped me. I'm energized. I'm ready to rock and roll. 
It's Monday. I'm waiting for this to publish on Tuesday so I can listen to myself and get encouraged along the way. I hope you are encouraged along the way. Follow me on TikTok at Recovery Guy. Follow me on Twitter at Recovery Guy 1986. Of course, Instagram, recovery underscore guy. The recover, the real recovery guy on YouTube. The recovery guy on Facebook. Let me know what I can do each day for you. If you're looking for a coach, let me know what that looks like and I will help you along your way. Be blessed. Have a great day. And remember, we got broken apart and we get whole together. And as always, my name is Robert and I am the Recovery Guy.